Well, good morning, church. My name is Jordan Chapel. I have the pleasure of being the middle school pastor here at First Church of God, and it's a, it's a joy that we can gather together. Uh, the, the term I've heard a lot of people use is scattered together, uh, and I think that's really apt for where we're at, that we can't meet physically here in the coming weeks, but that we can still uh, gather together, take in the same content, learn from the same teaching, engage in the same worship. Uh, and have our hearts be molded and reflected by the conversations um, that we have. And what I think is really incredible is the end of 2019, we were really putting our hearts and our minds around uh, as a staff where we wanted to take uh, this gathering of believers in 2020, and it ended up stretching out uh, past 2020. And uh, we really landed on this idea of timeless and how Scripture uh, although ancient is super important for us today, and we wanted to give you tools and resources. We wanted to uh, help open our eyes up to how the God of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the pages of scripture is the very same God that we follow today. And so I find it so timely, especially Johnny coming off last week of First Kings and the message he had for us about running on empty when that seems like where we're all at. Uh, and then what I feel like God has laid on my heart today from, from 2 Kings, it just feels so timely um, for where we're at in our world today and just the confusion and just, like, let's be honest, the mess that we're all existing in. And, and so I, I'm really trusting in, in the providence of God during these times that like he knows what we're walking through. He knows and sees what we're experiencing and he's here with us in these moments. He's here when I'm recording this. He's here when you're listening to this, that God is with us in these moments. And so I want to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to read from 2 Kings chapter 5. So Heavenly Father, we love you. We trust you. Uh, we're so thankful for the, the means by which to gather here today. We ask that uh, because uh, of this scripture today, because of the worship that we've participated in, uh, because of this message, Lord, that we can be transformed to look more like you, that our hearts will, will more fully reflect your glory and your goodness for all of the world to see. And so um, we just ask that this service, this time together, will be committed to you and you'll, you'll receive all the glory and honor and praise from it. We love you deeply and ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. So 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter in verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read it and then I've just got some reflections on what God's trying to say to us uh, through it. So verse 1 says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, the lady in charge of the house, I wish my master, Naaman, would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a, a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying a gift of 750 pounds of silver, 
150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothing. It's quite the gift. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman goes to the king of Israel and it says, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elijah, Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, waited at the door of Elisha's house. But instead, Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and he stalked away. He said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord and heal me. Aren't the rivers of the Damascus and the Abana and the far, far, far better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and he went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So, should, so you should obey him when he says simply, Go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, and they stood before him. And Naaman said, I now know that there is no God in all the world except the God of Israel. And like I talked about at the beginning, I think this is really pressing as we, as we look at the state of our world today. Uh, because we see Naaman, this guy, the ESV says he's a man of valor. It goes on and on about his accolades and his attributes. He was in high favor with man. But then one simple word in scripture changes the trajectory of his life. So a lot of people liked him. But, says he was a leper. He had a skin condition that would have put him kind of on the outside of society. He, he suffered. He, he was probably in constant misery. So he had all of this stuff going for him. But he was, but he was a leper. Achievement, grit, status does not make us immune from pain or hardship, we all have to walk through and experience the brokenness of this world. And I think, honestly, if we're, if we're real, that's what we're walking through right now. Because before there were so many things that separated us and like these sectors of society, like we had the Midwest, we had the coast, we had the people around the world. But the one unifying thing that we're walking through right now is the fact that no one can outrun pain. No one is, a, is immune to the, the, the feelings of stress and anxiety and, and hurt that we are all experiencing because of the pandemic that is going on in the world today. 
Like I said before, everything separated us. Like you had NBA players and then you had the chapel family. Like we're in completely different sectors of society. But the one thing that brings us all together now is the fact that like we're stuck in our homes now. We want to do our part. We want to be good neighbors. But all of us are like, hey, stay home and stop your life as you knew it. So no one is immune to pain. And I think what a lot of people are going to be experiencing right now, and I think it's, it's a hard realization to come to, but it's a good realization to come to, and it's an important one, is I think a lot of us have been chasing something that we said, once we have this, we will be fulfilled. Once I make my next $100,000, I will be fulfilled. Once I get the promotion at my job, I will be fulfilled. Once I get that relationship, I will be fulfilled. Whatever, whatever it is in your life, fill in the blank. Once you get that, you will be fulfilled. And we've been telling ourselves that for a really long time. And I think what we're experiencing now is this realization that regardless of what it is, X, Y, or Z, when we get that, we're not experiencing the fulfillment because we have this unifying factor of pain. It's affecting all of our lives, not not just a certain sector or segment of society, not just a certain country. We're all kind of coming to a halt as life as we know it. And we've wanted to excuse these areas of our lives. I'm sure Naaman was like, yeah, I have leprosy, but, and and he has been defined by being a leper. And so we've wanted to excuse the areas as like, I can still do X, Y, Z. But like I said, we have this unifying thing of pain right now. And I think we can come to the realization that whatever that but is in our life that like isn't up to 100% of what we think it should be, the very thing we find ourselves excusing as the but in our life is the very thing that God can redeem for our good in his glory. So here's what I ask you this morning. Whatever the pain is in your life, like we have this unifying pain, but we also have other pain that's going on. Like life stops but doesn't stop all at the same time right now. And so whatever the pain is in your life, don't run away from it. Lean into it. Lean into what's hard and watch God do amazing things. Because here's the one thing I know. In times of uncertainty, I've just tried to dig into scripture and like, what can I lean on right now? And here's what I know. God is in the process of reconciling all things to himself. And so in the hurt and in the pain, in the confusion, in the areas of your life that you try and explain away, what if we leaned into those and trusted that God is in the process of reconciling, redeeming, and restoring all things to himself. God's taking what's broken and he's making it beautiful. We all experience pain, but God is in the process of reconciling all things to himself. So I look at Naaman in this story who, who is experiencing pain, but the pain isn't isolated to him. Because then I look at this young servant girl in the story. In, in verse 2, it says there were some people, and they went and they attacked the Israelites. And, and one of the things they did when they attacked the Israelites was like they took this Israelite girl off, and she was a, a slave in one of the houses in, in Syria. And obviously, this is a less 
than ideal situation. I want to I want to wish this on any any of us, but this is like worst case scenario for her life. But what I find so incredibly hopeful about what this young girl has experienced is that in the middle of what she could not control, she focused on what she could control. So in the middle of the pain and the hardship and the slavery and like the really broken and disgusting things that she was experiencing that were just completely out of her hands because she was a slave, she focused on what she could control. And here's what she could control. She put her faith in something bigger than her situation. She chose to serve those who were holding her captive She chose to be available to point someone else to the power of the creator of the universe. She chose uh, her willingness to be a part of what God was doing in the midst of this whole story. Like, I I try to put myself in her shoes. And if someone was holding me captive, like, had taken me from my family and, and held me captive, would I have the willingness to be a part and be so aware of what God was doing in that situation that I was, like, wanting to help the people that have caused so much hurt in my life? But like I said, she put her faith in something far bigger than her situation. She told Naaman, his wife, that, that, hey, I know someone who can help with this. I know someone that can heal you of this affliction you have in your life. And as I thought about it, I think honestly, she did what the church has done for generations on generations. Because like I said, when, when I don't know what to do, I look at truth and I base my life off of that. And here's what Jesus said about the church. He's talking to Peter. He said, Peter, I'm going to, like, you're going to be a rock. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And here's what he said. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church in this moment in history and in every moment in history is on the offensive. The kingdom of God, regardless of what is going on in the world, continues to move forward because God is actively in the process of reconciling all things to himself. And so as we look at history, church history, and in scripture, as we look at all of this, here's what I know. The people of God thrive. They don't just survive. The people of God thrive when their backs are against the wall. When the church, and I don't, I don't want to relate this in any means to like what we're experiencing here in 2020. Like, like I said, it's less than ideal. I don't think we're, we're to a level of persecution yet. But if we're comparing less than ideal situations, when the church was persecuted in the book of Acts is when it started to flourish and explode. When the church has come anytime under a lack of resources, we see creativity bubble to the top and the kingdom of God moves forward. When, when they encounter less than ideal situations because we have the power of the creator of the universe on our side, we can move forward boldly with confidence knowing that the gates of hell will not prevail against it and that we're going to see God's kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
we are in the midst of something that is unprecedented. Like as a, as a young guy, I've reached out to people older than me and I was like, maybe this has been something that like I, I just haven't experienced in my lifetime yet. Maybe this is something that's like, yeah, you, you get a couple of these in your lifetime and you just learn to like roll with it. And as I've reached out to like my parents, Johnny Mac, all these people who are older than me who have gone before me, they're like, I don't know what's going on. There's been times where like the world's like, oh, this is, this is bad. But I don't think we've ever experienced anything like this. But like I said, the people of God, because of the power of God, thrive when our backs are against the wall. So because we are facing a situation that is unprecedented, I believe firmly and strongly that we are going to see a move of God that is unprecedented. Because honestly, at this point, we don't have any other options. Like we, as the global church, we can't rely anymore for the coming weeks, for who knows how long. We can't rely anymore on what church has looked like historically. Good, bad, or indifferent. And so we're moving into this new territory. But like I said, we don't have to move with timidity. We can move with boldness, knowing that God is in the process of reconciling all things to himself, that nothing will prevail against the people of God because we have God on our side. God has won the victory over sin and death. And so we can move forward with confidence because of that assurance that we have through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What would it look like as the people of God, as we rallied together during these next weeks, these coming months, what would it look like if we were, we were the most encouraging people that we, we chose not to get bogged down in, in the banter of what's going on in our world, but instead we said, man, we know hope and you can know hope too. What would it look like if we tried new things? What would it look like to continue to take the gospel forward? Honestly, like, like I said, less than ideal circumstances. I wouldn't wish this for us. It's hard. But I am so thrilled. I am so excited for what is going to be on the other side of this pandemic. Because I know that because the people of God thrive when they're pushed up against the wall and they have no other options, we are going to see uh, new creativity. We're going to see new innovation. We're going to see people going forth boldly, getting excited about living out the gospel in their everyday lives, regardless of what that looks like moving forward. We can do it and we don't have to move forward with fear. We can move forward uh, boldly with confidence because Jesus has gone before us. Naaman gets to Elisha's house and he, he says, go, go, he sends one of his people, he says, go get Elisha. I, I want to talk to him. I want, I want him to do the whole deal. And instead, Elisha sends out a servant. He's like, um, just, just go dip yourself in the Jordan. Like, in, in essence, go take a bath. And Naaman is irate with his response. Visibly frustrated and angry. He's come all this way, and that's not what he has expected to hear. 
And so he walks away. He's like, I'm not even doing this anymore. I'm, I'm so frustrated. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know what it is. But he starts to walk away. And one of his servants is like, no, Naaman, I, I really want you to consider this. Think about it. He's not asking you to do something that hard. Why don't you just try it and see what happens? And here's what I know about following God. Because we can't see God, our humanness, which is not a, a wrong thing to, to, to connect with, our, our humanness feels some sort of need to like validate the experiences we have, to confirm these things in order to, to, to follow Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with this. I have definitely been a part of times in my life. I've seen times in other people's lives where, where God moves in these powerful and incredible ways that you can look back on and say, this was a moment in my life. This was a moment when I so for sure 100% knew that God was speaking to me, that God was moving. And that is a signpost for your life. But I also know that inside of that, inside of these big moments that are like music and low lights and you're in your room by yourself and you're just crying out to God and like you experience something, uh, along with those, God meets us in these little moments of faithfulness where we give, we give our heart to Jesus and we say, I, I don't know what else to do, but I, I trust you Right now, he meets us in, in the, I prayed today for strength when I felt like giving my heart to something that has been controlling it. God meets us in the, I talked to my neighbor about how I can have hope during this really uncertain time, even though it seems like we can't have any. God meets us in the, I went and got groceries for an elderly person that I know. God, God meets us in the, I called a friend to check in on them because I haven't seen them for a while. I just wanted to encourage them and, and speak life into them. One I'm feeling personally right now, God, God meets us in the, I shared with my child what God has been teaching me and he's three years old and it wasn't this big grand experience, but he was like, cool dad, that's great. And God meets us in those Moments. Our lives are made up these, of these big grand moments and these little moments of faithfulness. And here's what I know. We want the show, but God wants our hearts. So yes, it's through these powerful moments and those are wonderful encouragement to walk into what God has called us into. But, but most of our lives are going to be these ordinary moments of faithfulness where we say, God, here's what I have. It's everything that I have, but I need you to, to, to take it and do something incredible with it. Like in the gospel, think about, think about the, the, the boy and, and who helped feed the 5,000. Like he, he woke up in the morning and he packed some lunch. There's nothing grand or, or, or wild about that, but he was faithful in the small things of following God's leading. He was faithful in the little things and it's the little things that lead to the big things. So our, our, our lives are made up of both. But like I said, we want the show, but God wants our hearts. And it's in the ordinary, everyday faithful sacrifice of obedience that we give more 
and more and more of our hearts over to the person of Jesus. And so as we close out today, we have some freedoms because we're, we're meeting via these means that we might not always have. And so uh, chances have it that you are, are meeting with some other people. And if you're not, uh, chances have it you have a phone and, and you can talk to someone here pretty quickly. And so I just want to leave you with some questions to discuss with the people that you're watching with. And, and this is going to be one of those things that might not be grand and, and majestic in this big experience, but I want to challenge you that it's in these faithful acts of obedience and having conversations with our loved ones that might be uncomfortable and it might be new to us, that it's in these acts of obedience that God can grow uh, our hearts and affections towards him. And so everyone living has experienced pain. None of us can outrun it. We're experiencing that right now. And so ask, your, ask yourselves, how have you seen pain get redeemed in your life. Because I guarantee you, as you sit around, you have seen stories of things that went awry and were not how God intended, that God has redeemed to be something beautiful. Share those stories with one another. We also know that the church thrives. It doesn't just survive, it thrives when its back is against the wall. So what do you think it looks like? What do you think it means for the church to survive here and now in the middle of this global health crisis, this pandemic we're experiencing? How can we be a part of the church thriving? We want to show, but God wants our hearts. So how can you surrender your life to Jesus in the small moments of being at home probably more this week? What does it look like for you to give more and more of your heart over to Jesus? Not, not when it's this big, incredible, memorable thing, but in the little moments of faithfulness as we move forward with what normal life looks like. I'm gonna pray for you and I hope you guys have great discussion and uh, that it... it, it moves you guys closer to looking more like the person of Jesus here in Columbia City and around the world. So, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are moving in our midst. We're so thankful for the confidence that we have moving forward because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So we ask that you'll meet us in the midst of the pain that when our back is against the wall, you'll give us boldness and confidence to do what you've called us to do. And that in the little moments of faithfulness, Lord, day to day, that we will give you our hearts more and more for our good and your glory. God, we give this service to you. We're thankful that we can have it. And we commit this week to you that we can be your church and help be a part of healing a broken world. We love you deeply and ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.